Hello, Connected Parents, and welcome to another episode of Connected Parenting. Today, I want to talk about ADHD, and I want to walk you through um, what it's like to have ADHD, how to really understand it on a social, emotional, and behavioral level. Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Colary. I'm a child and family therapist and a parenting coach and the founder of Connected Parenting. And welcome to the Connected Parenting Weekly Podcast. Join me every week. And we'll tackle everything from temper tantrums to bedtime to sibling issues to teenage angst. Parenting can be so wonderful, but it can be so hard. Parents often say to me, hey, can you just come live at my house? This is the next best thing. Let's do this together. So ADHD, a lot of people think they know what ADHD is, or a lot of people think that they have ADHD, or they'll joke about, oh, I have ADHD. But what is it really? And let's start with um, a description. So this was a client, it was many years ago, he's about nine. And I asked him like, what is it like to have ADHD? Can you describe it to me? And I've had lots of little ones explain it to me since, but I thought he gave me the best explanation. He said, well, it's like being in the middle of a huge fair. So I'm in the fairground and there's noises and there's sounds and there's people yelling and there's music playing and there's smells of food and someone's trying to tell me something in one ear and someone's trying to tell me something in the other ear and I just want a million dollars. I thought that was a really interesting explanation because we often think of ADHD um meaning you can't focus, you can't pay attention, but the truth is the brain pays attention to absolutely everything. Everything is important. Everything comes in almost equally sometimes. It can come in waves. So someone with ADHD can feel kind of calm and then all of a sudden everything just amplifies sound and smell, um, you know, background noises, it, and it all comes in very, very intensely and it can be incredibly overwhelming. What also happens with ADHD is that the frontal lobe is understimulated. So the all of the electricity that needs to get from the brainstem to the frontal lobe doesn't make it there. I mean, that's a really oversimplified explanation, but that's a pretty good one. And so what happens is the brain needs that extra stimulation to get the frontal lobe to do its job. And remember, the frontal lobe's job is to regulate and inhibit, um, switch attention, you know, stop doing something, do something else, pick on, pick up on something else that they, you'd forgotten about, uh, pay attention to this noise, not that noise, to prioritize. Um, all of those things are necessary. Taking perspective is another one. Um, and controlling impulses. Is that something to be afraid of? Is that something not to be afraid of? It, should I shout that thing out that I feel like shouting out or should I wait? Because this is not an appropriate time. So there's a lot of work that the brain does to stay in harmony with your surroundings. And it's a big job for the frontal lobe. And the frontal lobe is understimulated when someone has ADHD. So this is why ADHD medication is a stimulant. And it seems crazy, right? Why would you give someone who has impulse control issues or who's hyper um, ADHD medication that's a stimulant? Why, why would you do that? But really think about it, it's paradoxical. So you're stimulating the frontal lobe, which then allows the frontal lobe to do its job inhibit, organize, prioritize, shift attention, wait for things, all of those important executive functioning um, skills, 
the brain then is stimulated enough that it can do that. It can suppress the midbrain, which is the part of the brain that freaks out and gets upset and wants to say it anyway and grab it and do it and just think later. Um, that part of the brain gets suppressed and the frontal lobe is then able to do its job. ADHD um, is very complex. There's many different types. Uh, no two people with ADHD look the same, but there's a few things that can be really relatable if you have ADHD or if your child has ADHD. The things that get in the way the most are um, a few different things. One is the ability to prioritize. It is often, not always, but often very, very difficult for someone with ADHD to prioritize. So, okay, I have some time on my hands, a little bit of free time. Should I do this? Maybe I should do that. I could do this. I could do that. And by they're so busy thinking about all the different things that they could be doing, and then all the other things that they could be doing, they're all equally important. So the brain's ability to kind of pick one and just commit to it um, starts kind of chugging and stalling, and you, they end up sort of getting pulled in so many directions, so absolutely overwhelmed by choice that they do nothing. They, they actually can't move at all. They can't do anything. Um, another thing that can happen is procrastination. So uh, people who have ADHD often have what's called time blindness. So I don't know, they're, they got a, they've got a meeting at nine o'clock. It's 10 to nine. It takes half an hour to get there, but it's 10 to nine. They're still not late, even though they haven't left the house yet. Um, and time sort of slows down. Um, people who have, um, time blindness feel like time slows down. They, they don't track time the way, um, other people track time. So one of the important things to do if you have that issue is to make sure you're you're using external measures to 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 watch the time for you alarms or uh, you know a, a spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend or a best friend or someone who can actually remind you um, you know having those kind of prosthetic boundaries really do help because people can with ADHD can get very lost in time so managing time is another one. Um, Mm. So also taking action can be really hard. So you know what you have to do. You know that you have to do it, um, but you just can't make yourself do it. It just, it's like you're stuck. It's like, you're, you're, it's like your feet are glued to the floor and you want to move and you want to do that thing. And you know how important it is to do that thing, but your feet won't move. And then people are saying, why aren't you moving? What's the matter with you? Do it. Everyone does it, but you cannot make yourself move. And that's a really, really tricky one. Um, that comes with a lot of emotional baggage. There's a lot of negative talk and idiot and why can't I do it? And everyone else can do it. And it's so stupid. And I, but I can't, I can't, I cannot make myself do it. I know how important it is to do it, but I cannot make myself do it. A lot of shame comes into that. A lot of frustration. Um, a lot of um, people who love and live with um, people who have ADHD get very frustrated and angry you know, what's wrong with you? I've told you a million times, why can't you do it? And then that kind of internal shame starts to come. So it's like the part of the brain that knows what it needs to do. And the part of the brain that can actually do it are not talking to each other. They're not on good, they're not on speaking terms. And that can be really challenging. Um, now, what often happens is parents who have a child that may present some of these behaviors will think, oh, my child can't have ADHD because when he really wants to do it or when she really, really wants to do it, she can do it. Um, and that ability to hyper-focus, to um, 
kind of like really lock into a task is actually a feature of executive functioning and ADHD issues. So that ability to just kind of lock on and not pay attention to anything else that is happening. Hyper-focus is actually a feature. It can be great. It can be a superpower, but it can also be a big problem if you're locked onto something that you really shouldn't be doing when you should be doing something else. So there's sort of a, a bit of a misunderstanding about that. When there's high, high interest, when things are super relevant, um, often people with ADHD are phenomenal and they can, they have like incredible stamina. <laughs> they can stick to things and do things. That's why you'll often see, you know, like a teenager, for example, or a young adult that has ADHD, you know, they've put off that paper, they put it off, they put it off, they put it off. And then finally in six hours, they can, you know, write this paper and not get up and write something that's pretty darn good, um, you know, at the very last second, which is sometimes a blessing because it helps um, ADHD people to actually do okay in the world, but also um, a curse because, oh, well, it worked to leave it till the last couple of hours. So I'm going to do that next time. So it's very complicated. Um, I think understanding what's happening to your child when they get stuck is probably the most important part. So what parents often do, and, and for more, I, I did a whole podcast on procrastination. So you might want to go back and listen to that. Um, I'll try to remember to put in the show notes, which um, show that was, but what often happens is we then try to over-function. We try to over-function and be more of a frontal lobe to our children than they can be for themselves. And to a degree, we do need to co-regulate with them. We do need to do that until they're developing um, skills and abilities on their own. Remember that you're a frontal lobe anyway, right? We're, we like to think of ourselves as parents, but we're not parents. We're actually substitute frontal lobes. That's our job. Our job is to regulate, inhibit, organize, prioritize, do all that stuff for our kids, move them through the day until their frontal lobe is fully formed enough to do that on their own. When you have ADHD, you're, or you're, when your child has ADHD, you're going to be doing that for a longer period of time, and you want to be able to set up the world for them so that they develop skills and strategies to put these little tricks into place on their own, right? So for example, um, a lot of ADHD kids and adolescents and young adults have a really difficult time with short-term memory. It's, I don't know, the brain's paying attention to so many things that it doesn't pay, pay attention to small, simple things that you have to keep in your short-term memory. Um, short-term memory is basically known as a working memory. It's, it's just keeping a few little facts in your brain just long enough to complete a task. So remembering a phone number or remembering the order of going to get something when you run upstairs, just like quick little things that your brain doesn't need to keep. It can discard. Um, and you don't need it for long. It's long-term memory is very different. Long-term memory is, you know, where there's context to it and it's important to you and it matters. And, and often people that have ADHD have really good long-term memories, which can actually help them academically and offset things. If you know how to transfer things from your short-term memory to the long-term memory. So that's a roundabout way of saying, if you can learn memory tricks, if you can memorize, I don't know, I have to go upstairs. I have to get the laundry. I have to grab my keys. I have to get my running shoes for the gym after. And then what you do is you pick the first letter of each of those things. And then you make a weird little rhyme or a sentence. Um, and that can help you. Um, if you're a parent of a little one, you know, high five at the door. What are the five things I have to remember today? I have to remember my bag. I have to remember my shoes. I have to remember my lunch. So you do a high five at the door. And while you're doing the high five, you can think about all the five things that you have to remember. So they're little tricks um, that can really help for adults. Put your key, if you want to remember your lunch, put your car keys in your lunch bag. 
in the fridge. You're not going to remember your lunch, but you're going to remember your keys, right? So there are these funny little things that you learn how to do. And so as a parent, you help your ADHD child do those things. And then as they get older, they can develop those tricks on their own. And it's just ways to kind of bypass um, the executive functioning part of your brain, uh, using your phone, using a watch, um, using reminders, um, telling Siri what you need to remember next. She can be your external memory device. Uh, For now, as a parent, you're doing that for your child. It gets exhausting. It gets tiring. The hard part is they're going to push back. No, I will. Leave me alone. Don't bother me. They're going to push back and it makes it really, really difficult. Um, but you're trying to help them work with the brain that they've got. I do want to add to that so many of the world's most successful people, honestly, have ADHD. It is a unique and incredible brain. It can be a gift. Um, it's just that people with ADHD need to learn what they're not great at, surround themselves with people who are great at those things, and then bring their gifts um, to everyone else, which is often stamina, being able to think big picture. They're often great visionaries. They bring amazing energy. They're funny. Um, They can notice details sometimes that other people miss. They'll also miss details that other people get. Um, but it's sort of working within this framework that there are tremendous gifts with ADHD as well. So, I mean, the other thing that comes with it often is depression, anxiety. You know, one of the things that happens with ADHD is because short-term memory is often limited or, or compromised. You, people with ADHD end up having to think about things all the time. I have to do this, and then after this, and I have to do this. And they actually um, kind of obsess about what they're doing next because, or, or in a conversation, they have to get things out because if they don't get it out, they're going to forget it. Um, and what that often means is that they're impulsive. Things like fly out of their mouth or they obsess about things um, because they, they don't want to forget that they have to do it. And that kind of anxiety of trying to keep things front and center kind of buzzes around their body and they're always in a state of worrying that they're going to forget something. So often when they do forget something that's important, before you've even said, I can't believe you forgot that. I told you 15 times, they're already doing that to themselves. They're already self-pummeling. They're already yelling at themselves in their head. They're already feeling defeated and like a loser and angry with themselves because they do care. They care very much. It's just the brain's filing system is a little bit wonky. So a lot of understanding, a lot of patience, um, helping your kids develop um, other ways, alternative ways to um, execute on things can be really helpful and doing that in a really loving and understanding way and really making sure to talk about the ADHD, talk about the gifts, talk about famous, amazing people that have ADHD, help them see that their brain is pretty amazing There's just things that they have to do. And very similar to, you know, needing glasses or hearing aids, it's, you know, I want you to kind of think of it in that category. Um, It it really is more like that and talk about that with your kids like that. It's okay. So it's just harder for your brain to pay attention when there's a lot of noise. Okay. So your brain gets overwhelmed. So when you get home from school, it's really important for you to go up to your room and just sit there for 45 minutes and, you know, listen to music or sit quietly Um, helping um, your child realize, okay, I get overwhelmed. This is what overwhelmed feels like. I need to get up and I need to go and I need to take 
five to 20 minutes to have very little stimulation. I need to calm myself right down. When your children are little, it's going to be harder for them to do that. You're going to see the signs of that way before they're going to see the signs of that. So more than ever, if your child has ADHD, remember to be using the calm technique. Go back to the first three episodes to really remind yourself of that. Connecting before correcting is absolutely huge. Having structure and predictability in your child's day is so important to have a big whiteboard that has everything written down. Okay, dad's picking you up at this time. You have your haircut at this time. You've got whatever soccer practice at this time written on a big giant whiteboard, not a tiny little thing, a big board. And you take their hand or with your teenager, you walk them towards it so they can actually see it. They can look at it. They can take a picture of it. That way it doesn't have to be held in their brain all day long. It's actually out. The paper can hold it or the phone can hold it or this big calendar can hold it. Um, Three bite rule, really important for your ADHD kids, making sure every hour and a half to two hours, they're getting uh, a snack with a protein for your teens and young adults. They have to remember to do this on their own for sure. Um, sleep, some ADHD kids will crash right away. Like they're so exhausted. They get much more tired than the average person. Their brain is doing so much more in a school day than the average brain. It's not even funny. So they often come home and are absolutely wiped out and exhausted. So making sure they're getting enough sleep, that's really important. And that they're away from screens close enough to bedtime. The, the brain, the ADHD get, brain gets very overstimulated. So really watching electronics. Some of it is fine and fun so they can get their adrenaline rush and they can pass the time and have some fun. But making sure you're limiting that is really, really important for the ADHD brain. One of the reasons mirroring is so important is because an ADHD brain is like flashing through life at 300 miles an hour, they often miss connections for things. So when you connect and you say, oh, it really felt like this, but let's take a second. Did you notice how your sister looked when you did that? No, I didn't. You can actually help them figure out how to thread things through and make connections that their brain is otherwise running too quickly to notice. So with your little ones, it's great to do that. You know, at the end of the day, um, you can do it through play. You can do it through storytelling. Uh, with your teenagers, it's connecting before you actually hear, before they're actually ready to hear what you um, might have noticed in a situation and keep it really like um, in a very loving way. Like you're, you, you didn't know if they noticed this and, you know, here it is. And what do you think? Like sort of asking them on par what they think of that. Okay, the other one that's really, really, really important for your ADHD kids is adrenaline play. Because their frontal lobe has a difficult time regulating, I didn't touch on this in this podcast, but feelings are enormous with ADHD. They feel things very intensely, frustration, loss, disappointment. They thought something was happening and it's something else, or they really want that thing that you said no that they can't have. Um, those emotions build up and they're really like a tsunami and they're, they really are heavier, harder, louder, itchier, everything's bigger when you have ADHD. So because the frontal lobe has difficulty regulating, it's really important because they'll regulate off you by getting you mad, by saying no, by bugging their siblings. Um, so the greatest way that you can um, naturally medicate your ADHD child is through adrenaline play. So tickling them and wrestling, hide and seek, um, chasing games, um, any games that have like, a, uh, it's not enough to just ride your bike or jump on the trampoline. There has to be an element of like time or you're chasing them or you're timing them or something like that. 
And when they can get sort of a blast of that right after school or early in the evening, not too close to bedtime, that will actually help. And that will mimic what um, ADHD medication can do. And if you're on the fence about ADHD meds, let me give you my philosophy. Here, here's what I think. Sometimes the side effects of not being on medication are far worse than the side effects of being on medication. So when self-esteem starts to tank, when you know grades start to plummet, even though you're, you know your child is really bright um, and really capable, uh, when you start to see self-esteem just tanking, I hate myself, you should throw me in the garbage, there's something wrong with my brain. When you start to see those side effects, it may be time to explore um, the option of medication, but there are lots of things you can do without medication if you don't feel comfortable with that. Um, it's just, you have to be more of a frontal lobe for your child for a while until their frontal lobe kicks on in their own. So it can be an absolute joy having an ADHD child. It can be completely exhausting. You know, one of the, and maybe I'll do a separate podcast on this, but often ADHD is uh, genetic. You'll see it pass through families. So often one or both parents have ADHD themselves trying to manage an ADHD child. And that can be a challenge. That sounds like a whole other podcast. You know what? I'm going to do that. In the meantime, please go to connectedparenting.com. I've got all kinds of information there for you. We've got our courses. We have our family success formula, which is uh, a program where there's online classes, but you're also assigned a connected parenting therapist or practitioner who helps you through, through every step of the way. There's like online tech support. So if your child's having a meltdown, we can try to help you in real time. We've got our courses, which are straight video, just on demand. We also have a version where I show up um, once a month to do live co coaching calls with people from all over the world, which is an amazing uh, experience. I love doing those. And it's so fun uh, to just you know hear, hear people from everywhere describing uh, all of the things that we experience when we have challenging kids. Um, we've got a whole team of people who can help you one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and we've got our village. So there are lots of ways to get help and support on your connected parenting journey. And I will see you next time on the next episode of Connected Parenting.